I'm just telling you, I had a supernatural experience on Saturday that has just riveted me and, and has taken charge over the way I think. And uh, it was at like a, what they call a God kiss or a God wink and a slap on the butt at the same time. And so, so I, want, I like to pass on divine kisses and divine slaps. <laughs> it doesn't hurt when God slaps you. It feels good. But the way I was raised, I was a firstborn. How many of you are firstborns? Raise your hand. I'm so sorry. No, I, actually, <laughs> the firstborn is, is devoted to the Lord. And, but I was a firstborn, and my dad always said to me, and my dad was from North Carolina, and so he had a Tar Heel accent, and he always would say, Honey, you're our guinea pig. <laughs> now, if you know anything about guinea pigs, it's what scientists used to kill as an experiment. And I did not like being a guinea pig. But because of that, I developed a mindset that God was a punisher. And, and I actually believed he was a punisher. And so I just waited. Every time I did something wrong, which was a lot, as children do, I just waited to get knocked down. I had the proverbial, God has a baseball bat and he's ready to strike me out. Now that may not be your story, but it was my story. And so in order to renew my mind, it took decades. I'm just telling you, these things don't come overnight. You have to intentionally renew your mind. It's not just going to happen. The way you think is not just going to change because it does. It's going to change because you purposefully, intentionally, accurately, circumspectly decide to do something about changing the way you think. And so I saw God as a punisher. I saw him uh, as someone who was just waiting to hurt me. And then one day I was driving on Northwest Military and there was a church that had a cross, an empty cross. And the empty cross was bigger than these iron uh, things you see back here. It was bigger. It probably went to the ceiling. And this is a very tall building. And it was an empty wooden cross. And I was mesmerized by that empty wooden cross. I absolutely could not keep my mind off of that. And I kept thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about an empty cross. And so one day I called the only person that has ever physically been my spiritual mother who lives and to this day lives in another city who has imparted more to my life than I can begin to tell you because she saw me as God saw me. And she helped me to see myself and believe about me what God believes about me. And, and she mothered me in the things of the Lord. And I called her and I said, I saw this empty cross. I'm this, I don't know how many feet tall, and I can't get it out of my mind. And she said these words to me that marked me. She said, Sandy, Jesus did not stay on the cross. He was buried and resurrected to give you his very powerful resurrection life. And see, I had always seen Jesus on the cross. In fact, in fifth grade, I had, I shared it in the brunch that, that I was raised by nuns. I went to Catholic schools. And I remember in fifth grade, I had a nun, and I'm sure she's in heaven because she was old then, so she couldn't possibly, so I'll tell you her name. Her name was Sister Letizia. And she walked around with a wooden paddle. And she literally, if you did something wrong, she'd slap you. And... That, to me, I mean, that's what God did. 
I mean, he, he carried a wooden paddle or a wooden whip and, and he was going to beat me. And so when she said those words to me, Jesus didn't stay on the cross. It, that's when the complete renewal of my mind began and it hasn't stopped. So don't think you're ever going to get to the place where, where it stops. We're going to be renewing our mind until we're with Jesus. And so for a, for a few minutes, let's just talk about how Jesus personified the will of God, and then I'm going to tell you my Saturday story, and then we're going to act upon it, okay? So just bear with me. I want to show you in the scripture that there is only one way to know the Father God, and that is through the Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's not a punisher. He's not an absentee father. He's a very present help in trouble. But there's also a very real devil and the word of God says in Revelation 12 that the, the devil has come to earth because he was thrown out of heaven, that he has great wrath. Why? Because he knows his time is short. And if you read Revelation, you'll find out that he goes after the woman. Now, if you don't know biblical typology, the woman is the church. So he's going to come after the woman, the children of God. He can't get to God, so he wants to get to his children. What could hurt you more? How many mothers have I heard say whose children are suffering, I wish it were me. I would rather it be me than my child. How many of you have ever said that or thought that? Me, not my child, not my child. You're going to fight with all of your might for your child. So what does the devil do? He goes after the child, us, the children of God. But he has this great wrath and he's come down. But the Bible says we are not left defenseless, that we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony and by not loving our lives. That's how we overcome this devil who has great wrath, who stands before God to accuse us day and night. And if we believe the accusations instead of what God believes about us, then we will submit to the lie and to the deception. Big mistake. So let's just for a few minutes look at Jesus and begin to renew our minds to how good the Father is, to how good God is. So I'm just going to read you these scriptures. And as I do, I want you just to, to ask the Holy Spirit to show you the true nature and character of the Father. He, listen, listen, I don't care how good your earthly father was or how bad your earthly father is or was. God is gooder than any good father on this earth. He is better. You know, I, well, here's what really, this annoys me. When people name 10 people that are their best friends. Now, I was an English teacher. Let me give you an English lesson. There is something in English called the superlative. Best is a superlative. It means there's nobody better. So you can't say you have 10 best friends. Get it? God is the best. Not only is he the best, he is the most. He is the most high. That means there is nobody higher than the most high. So let's look at a few scriptures and, and just get into our minds how 
best God is and how good he is. Hebrews 2, 16. We all know that Christ did not take hold of angels. He did take hold of the descendants of Abraham. It is evident, it was essential that Jesus be made like his brother, and that's us, in every respect, in order that he might become a merciful and sympathetic and faithful high priest in the things related to God to make atonement for the people's sins. This is where it gets good. For because Jesus himself has suffered in being tempted, tested, and tried, he is able immediately to run to the cry of, to assist and relieve those who are being tempted and tested and tried and who are therefore being exposed to suffering. How good is that? That when we cry to him, he doesn't walk, he doesn't think about it, he doesn't wait, he runs to our cry to not only assist us, but to it says, relieve us. Hebrews 3, 1. So then, all right, this is the conclusion to this faithful high priest who runs to our cry to assist and relieve us. So then, brethren, consecrated and set apart for God who share in the heavenly calling, here it is, consider Jesus, the high priest and apostle of our confession. So the job of Jesus, one of the jobs, is to execute what we confess. What are you saying with your mouth? Are you saying what God says about you? Because it's the job of Jesus to execute that. When? When we consider Jesus. Hebrews 3.1, this is the passion. So fasten your thoughts fully onto Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says, we are to look away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus begins your faith and he will perfect your faith. If what? If you look away from all that will distract to Jesus, if you keep your eyes on the wind and the wave, if you keep your ears attentive to the voice of the storm, you're not considering Jesus. Listen, I tell people this all the time. What are you giving him to work with? Oh, I'm so afraid. Oh, I'm so worried. A couple of my children called last night. I turned on the news, which I don't know why. I just did. I turned on the news while I was fixing dinner, and I don't normally do that. And I did not hear one good thing. All I heard is about how this weenie virus is going to overtake everybody. They said, what are you doing? I said, I'm watching the bad news. But you know what? I spoke the good news. Because I totally believe this thing is going to come to nothing. I really do. But you know what it's going to take? It's going to take the people of God talking back to the storm, talking back to the television, talking back to the news, and saying what God says. So that's what I did while I was making dinner. But you got to look away from all that will distract. Hebrews 2. Let's start with verse 6. You, Jesus has put everything in subjection under our feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to man, he left nothing outside of man's control. But at present, we do not yet see all things subjected to man. But we are able to see Jesus. How? You look at his word. His word is who he is. 
He's crowned with glory and honor because of his having suffered death in order that by the grace of God, he might experience death for every one of us. For it was an act worthy of God and fitting to the divine nature that he, for whose sake and by whom all things have their existence in bringing many sons to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through suffering. Hebrews 1.3. Here you go. Now we're going to look at the Father through the eyes of the Son. Are you ready? The Son is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true nature. The Son is God's mirror image, and He holds the whole universe together by His mighty power of His spoken word. The exact fingerprint of God. If you want to know the Father, you have to know the Son. If you want to know the will of the Father, know the Son. He did not give us a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but he gave us a spirit of adoption whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, last week, and if you weren't here, I am begging you to get this. I talked about the difference between an orphan mindset and the, the mindset of a son of God or a daughter or, or son of God. There's neither male nor female in Christ. An orphan begs, pleads, cries, whines, is confused, doesn't understand why God why, when God when, how God how, what God what, where God where. That is how orphans think. Sons and daughters rise up in victory and they return God's word to him no matter what they see, no matter what they feel. And that means you are looking to Jesus who is the author and perfecter of your faith, period. If you give God's word back to God, it is a divine circle. It comes down from heaven, it waters the soil of our being, and then when we speak it out of our mouth, it returns to God, and his word will not return empty. It will accomplish what he desires, and it will succeed in the matter for which he sent it. And so, we have not received that spirit of slavery leading to fear again. Every fear, listen to me, every fear comes out of an orphan heart. The root of fear is an orphan heart. The root of fear says, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. The root of fear says, God, you're not going to help me. Why did you let this happen to me? Lord, I just don't get it. Well, there's a lot of things we don't get, but there are things we do get, and that's the word of God. And if we will rise up as the victors that we are, we will see the fulfillment of the perfect will of God in our lives. And that's just all there is to it. There's no discussion. We have received a spirit of adoption. And last week, we, I asked everyone who, who just, who wants to walk in that spirit of adoption, stand up and the whole room stood up. And you can do that today, right in your heart. You can stand up in your heart and say, I'm an adopted child of God. And I, I reject the spirit of fear that leads me to slavery. Because fear makes you its slave. I'm not telling you you'll never feel the force of fear. But I'm telling you when you do, answer it with the voice of the one who has authority over the storm. Matthew eleven twenty seven. Jesus said, all things have been entrusted and delivered to me by my Father. And no one fully knows and accurately understands the Father except the Son. And then he gives that great invitation, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Jesus said, for I am meek and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. John 8, 42, Jesus said to the Pharisees, if God were your father, you would love me and respect me and welcome me. For I proceeded from God, I did not even come on my own authority or my own accord, but he sent me. John 16, 27, for the father himself loves you because you love me and have believed that I came from my father. I came out from the father, I've come into the world and I'm leaving the world and I'm going back to the father. You see that divine circle again. John 5, 30, I can do nothing from myself. Even as I hear, I judge and my judgment is right because I do not seek or consult my own will, but I only do the will and pleasure of the father who sent me. That right there should convince you that our health, our deliverance, our wholeness, our peace, our provision is the will of the Father. You don't have to ask for anything. If you saw Jesus do it, you don't have to ask if it's the will of God. He, he, just, he just said it. I mean, I could jump off the stage right now. He just said, I only do the will and pleasure of the Father. Now, I would love to stand up here and read you Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He always healed. He never said wait. He never said not now. He never said I'll think about it. He never said, you know what? This is going to get you. He never said, you're bad. I can't. He never said, well, I'm going to have to put your grades in the computer first and see how your report card stands. He never, ever, ever, ever said, I have to qualify you. He already qualified you through the blood of Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, you come up here today and give your heart to him. And you are automatically qualified. I prayed for many people on their deathbed. Even if they're unconscious, you can speak to their spirit. The first sense of the five senses that a fetus gets is a sense of hearing. Don't you remember what Elizabeth said to Mary? At the sound of your voice, the baby leapt in my womb. Don't you dare think a fetus can't hear or feel. I saw the most sobering post yesterday. It had the picture of a fetus in the womb and a picture of a, a newborn. And it said the only difference between this and this is you can't hear the one in the womb scream. Verse 31 of John 5, if I alone testify in my behalf, my testimony is not valid and cannot be worth anything. There is another who testifies concerning me and I know and am certain that his evidence on my behalf is true and valid. His evidence were the miracles of Jesus. I have come in my Father's name, verse 43, and with his power. And you do not receive me, but if another comes in his own name and his own power and with no other authority but himself, you'll receive him and give him your approval. Why is that? Why is it we believe the lie? As I was saying a moment ago, the first sense a fetus receives is hearing, and the last thing your human body before you die will lose is your sense of hearing. So to the last breath, people have an opportunity to receive Jesus. And I have told people that go to the deathbed of their loved ones and they go, I don't know if they're safe. Lead them in the sinner's prayer. They can hear you. Just lead them. Speak to their spirit and say, give your heart to Jesus and then pray with them. I've seen it many, many times. And, and I mean, it's a joke, but it's true. And I like to tell it over and over and over again. It's a story of the pastor that went to heaven 
and he saw a group of the drug addicts and the pimps and the prostitutes and all the bad people, and they were looking at him in a huddle and whispering. And he walked up to them, to them and he said, I, I didn't expect to see any of you here. And they said, that's exactly what we were saying about you. So don't think your religious mindset's going to get you to heaven. There's only one way to heaven, and that's Jesus, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sins and make me your own. That gets you to heaven. John 6, 38, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will and purpose, but to do the will and purpose of him who sent me. John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. John 14, 8 through 11, Philip said to Jesus, show us the Father and then we'll be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you for so long and you don't recognize and know me yet, Philip? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? What I'm telling you, I don't say on my own authority and my own accord, but the Father who lives in me does his works, his miracles, and his deeds of power. Believe me, I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or believe me for the sake of the works themselves. John 10, 5, so when Jesus came into the world, he said, since your ultimate desire was not another animal sacrifice, you've clothed me with the body that I might offer to myself instead. So I said to you, God, I will be the one to go and do your will, to fulfill all that is written of me in your word. What was written of him in, your, in his word? Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The punishment needful for us to obtain peace fell upon him. That was the answer to a punisher. He took my punishment and by his wounds, I am healed. He said, Father, I've come to do your will, what is written of me in the word. So let me summarize this, and then I'm going to tell you what happened to me on Saturday. Matthew 15, 30, and a great multitude came to him. Now this is the Jesus who only did the Father's will. This is the Jesus who only said what he heard the Father saying. This is the Jesus who only worked the Father's work. This is the Jesus who presented his body to do the will of the Father. And a great multitude came to him, bringing with him the lame, the maimed, the blind, the dumb, and many others, and they put him down at his feet, and he cured them. So that the crowd was amazed when they saw the dumb speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, the blind seeing, and they recognized, and they praised, and they thanked, and they glorified the God of Israel. Americans, why aren't we doing that? These people didn't have the written word in front of them. They didn't have this wonderful Bible. They didn't have Bible Gateway or Bible Hub. They didn't have smartphones. They didn't have any phones. And yet they believed. They believed that he did the will of the Father. The will of the Father. The lame walked. The maimed were made whole. The blind saw. The dumb spoke and they heard. And many other things. He didn't grade them. He didn't qualify them. But you know what really stuck out to me in this? This is what absolutely transformed me. The maimed. He cured the maimed. It says in verse 31, the maimed were made whole. The definition of maimed, a wound or injury that is part of the body that is permanently damaged. 
Where have you been permanently damaged? Have you been permanently damaged by a parent? Permanently damaged by something someone said to you? Permanently damaged by something that was done to you? I have good news for you today. Jesus loves to make the maimed whole. To take your permanent damage and restore you to complete health. And so, I want to tell you what happened to me on Saturday. Because I know that's what you've been looking for. But I want to reiterate this. What does the nature of the Father look like? He's not a punisher. He's not a withholder. He's not a deceiver. He's not tricking you. He's not an absentee dad. He doesn't show favorites or partiality. He heals. He delivers. He cures. He takes your maimed and broken life, your mind, your soul, your emotions, your body, and restores you to health. That's my Jesus. That's the Father that I know now. It took me years, years to renew my mind to this. And sometimes I still have to. You can know it right now. I had a very, 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 very hard week last week. Um, a lot went on and uh, ministered to some very, very, very broken people. I thought that I had heard in my 46 years of ministry all of the worst stories. And, but last week I heard I'd say pretty close to the worst story I've ever heard. Just an unbelievable story of wickedness done to, to a, an infant. And just one thing after another, and it was just all weighing on me. And, you know, I just, I felt like I, I was already down on the ground just being kicked, just being, ever felt that way or it's just me? And, and I wasn't picking myself back up. So Saturday, it was the last of the basketball games. You, most of you know I have eight grandsons and two granddaughters, and, and there were some basketball games, and I wanted to go to them to as many as I could, but I knew I really needed to study. Uh, can I tell you something? These things just don't appear on, on the page. I mean, I immerse myself in the Word of God. I immerse myself in prayer. I immerse myself in seeking Him. And the Bible says that those who diligently seek Him will find Him. And so it's just not something, God's not cheap. He's not the dollar store. He's not the dollar God. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Oh, but I have so much to do. You know, it always amazes me that doctors are only open on Tuesday mornings. I have so many people, oh, I just really want to be there, but I, I have a doctor's appointment. It's just amazing to me that a doctor can just do that. I, you have to, or, or even on weekends, oh, it's my only time to sleep. Well, what if, what if it was your only time to get into and under the anointing of God? What if March 25th, what if God is going to deliver you from what you've been struggling with? And you immerse yourself in, a, in an atmosphere of worship and praise and thanksgiving and a declaration and it's your moment. What is that? I don't watch it, but it's the golden buzzer. What show has that golden buzzer? What is it? America's Got Talent. And each judge, is it right, has a golden buzzer. And man, when you get that golden buzzer, it's your golden moment. 
What if that's your golden buzzer time? Oh, but I was tired. Okay. So I was kind of there on Saturday and uh, I went to an eight o'clock game. And we had girls night out on Friday night and I was, was here and, and receiving and got home late and I didn't want to get up. I mean, I didn't put on makeup. I just got up and threw on my clothes. My husband said, you're going like that? <laughs> and so I go to the eight o'clock game and I come home and, and uh, usually I leave after my husband, but on this day, my husband left after me. I drive in the garage and all of a sudden I have this horrible realization that I didn't have my house key. And I was, oh no. So I call my oldest daughter who lives two blocks away and I said, I need my key. Oh, she said, okay, I'll, I'll put it on the front porch. I mean, I woke everybody up. I go, I get the key. I come home, put it in the lock. It's not my key. I call my other daughter who lives two doors away, woke her up. I said, I need my key. I'm locked out. And by then I'm starting to get very agitated because I mean, I, I have another game to go to and I want to, I need time in the word. I get the key, put it in the lock. It's not my key. I try to call my husband. I'm going to drive to his office to get the key. He doesn't answer. I always ask him why he has a phone. I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> I call my other daughter who lives 15 to 20 minutes away. And by then I'm crying. I need my key. I mean, because isn't that what women do? You know, we get really frustrated and then we cry because it doesn't do a bit of good, but we do it. And so, uh, okay, mom, calm down. I've got it. I drive to her house. I get the key. By then, I've, an hour is gone. I get home, I open the door, and I go straight. I'm not the type of person who loses her keys. I know where I keep my keys. But they weren't, they weren't there. And I mean, then I'm really crying. I go out to my car. I go through my purse again, there's no keys. I go out to my car and I said, Father, which I should have done in the first place. Where's my keys? And I open my glove box and there's my keys. And before I could even say, my thought was, Lord, what are you saying to me in this? Before I could even utter it, I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, you've had the keys all along. You just didn't use them. And I knew immediately that I had the keys to the kingdom of God and I wasn't using them. I wasn't using them. And I know what the keys are. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 19, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. But I like the way the Amplified Classic puts it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose and declare to be lawful on earth must be what is already loosed in heaven. Keys have a function. They lock and they, what? Unlock. 
We use the keys of the kingdom of heaven. We lock out unbelief and doubt and fear and discouragement and despair and depression. And we unlock joy and peace and grace and goodness and love and happiness and faithfulness. Sandy Ross, what are you doing? Use your keys. Why did you let the weak push you down? Now, this is not a trick question. Is there discouragement in heaven? No. Is there dis-ease in heaven? No. Is there fear in heaven? Is there oppression in heaven? Is there anxiety in heaven? Is there COVID-19 in heaven? No. Jesus said, I give you the keys. But keys don't do any good if you don't use them. So how do you activate the keys? Oh, let me ask you another trick question. Is there joy in heaven? Yes. Peace? Yes. Is there patience? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is there love? Yes. yes. Is there goodness? Is there beauty? Is there restoration? Is there rejuvenation? Is there renewal? Is there wholeness? Is there happiness? Yes! I give you the keys of the kingdom. What did Jesus say to pray? When you pray, pray like this. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But we have to call for it. Don't just sit around and let the devil kick your teeth out and sucker punch you in the gut and knock the breath out of you. Use your keys. How do you do that? You've got to activate the keys. And the first way you do that is with your words. Out of your mouth, you bind you, you declare, this is unlawful in my life. Devil, in the name of Jesus, I bind you off my child. And I loose the destiny of God on my child. Spirit of infirmity, I bind you from my body. I loose the wounds of Jesus that heal me. Hey, this isn't hard. So, a few minutes later, my daughter, Courtney, called. She said, Mom, did you get in? I said, yes, but i got to tell you just what happened. And I told her the story about how Jesus said to me, you had the keys all along. You need to use them. Not to mention I would have saved myself an hour. She goes, Mom, I just heard a podcast on that. And she said it was called the master key. And I said, find it, send it to me. So she, she sends it to me. And this preacher young guy, he's telling the story about how his father, who had this huge church, unexpectedly died. And it was like a Joel Osteen story where he was the youngest and the church wasn't supposed to go to him, but it did. So when he, he inherits the church, when the father dies, over a thousand people leave. And he is God, I cannot do this. I cannot do this. What have you done? And so he decides, because he was also a worship leader, he decides he's going to go to the church and he's going to sit at the piano all by himself and he's just going to worship his way out of the depression. 
He gets to the church. He doesn't have a key. He calls. Now, I listened to it, so I'm telling you the story. He calls the security guard. He goes, I need to get in the church. I need to get to the piano in the main sanctuary. The security guard says, I can't get there for at least an hour. Well, being young and impatient, not that if you're young, you're impatient, but, you know, we call it young man's disease. And uh, he decides, I'm going to use a credit card. I'm going to get in this church. So he does the credit card thing. It It wouldn't open. He's desperate by this point. He reaches in his pocket and he pulls out a key. He goes, I'm just going to shove this key in the lock and I'm going to jimmy it until the door opens. He, he puts the key in the lock, but it fits perfectly. He turns the key. The door opens. He goes to the choir room, tries the key. The door opens. He goes to the youth center. He tries the key. The door opens. And then he decides, this is the test. I'm going to go to the main sanctuary. He puts the key in the lock and the door opens. And he realizes that all along he had the master key and he didn't know it. And he told the exact same story that I just told you right now. You've already got the key. Jesus said, I've given it to you. But you've got to activate the key with your words. You've got to activate the key with the word of God. You've got to activate the key by getting out and over yourself and your own problems and rise above them and look at Jesus and consider Jesus and he will execute the confession of your mouth when it's in line with the word of God. And then you have to surrender to him. Keys grant authority. They grant access. You have the key, but you have to use it. And so I want to ask you today, what do you need to unlock in your life? What do you need to lock in your life? Maybe you need to bind the enemy from someone you love. Maybe you need to bind, providing you're a tither, the thief over your finances. If you're a tither, you have tither's rights. I never sit back. That is one thing I am a lioness in. I never sit back and let the the devil rob me of my God-given financial rights. Because guess what? There is no lack in heaven. Maybe you need to unlock the door to your health. Are you using your keys? Maybe You are depressed and your mind is oppressed. Are you using your keys? Whatever you declare to be unlawful on earth is declared unlawful in heaven. And whatever you declare to be lawful is lawful in heaven. Jesus has the keys of David. Jesus has the keys over death and hell. Are you in agreement with him? And so today I want to ask you, if you need something bound or unlocked in your life, I just want you to come forward right now. Just come stand up here with me and let's pray together and let's agree together. Let's use kingdom keys and do what Jesus said. He's given you an invitation. So be like the lepers. They said, why do we sit here until we die? 
And when they got up and they went into the camp, they received a great spoil. Who's doing my sound? Is it Chris? Is it you? I can't even see you. I can't even see who you are. Oh, hi. Okay. So sorry. Can I get sound right here? Thank you so much. Okay. So I'm, I'm holding the mic. So don't even try. I want you to get as close to the stage as you can. And I just want to hear some things. What do you need loosed or bound in your life? Just say one word. Okay. If you try a sentence, I'm going to take it away. All right. Come on. I'm going to hold it. A few of you. Unity in marriage. Right. Power from the Lord. Purpose. Purpose. So that's good. Spirit of death. The spirit of death bound in the name of Jesus. Carol. Iniquities and brokenness in my family. Okay, come on closer. I mean, I know I look like I'm seven feet tall, but I'm not. Um, turn around for my son. All right. So children, I'm sure that's Healing. a lot. Healing. Amen. Restoration. Amen. Health. Finances. Fear and finances. All right, good. Prophetic words fulfilled. Amen. All the promises fulfilled. Clarity. Healing over my son. Clarity for husband. Fear. Restoration. Destiny. Destiny. Carolina. Keys to our own home. Emotional healing. Amen. Focus and dedication. Good. Finances. Amen. All right. That, that gives us a pretty good idea. So clarity, purpose, destiny, finances, health. I think we can all just agree. So let's pray. I don't want, you don't need to hold hands because, you know, we, we don't want to get cooties. <laughs> Open your hands, though. Open your hands. Be open to the Lord. In the name of Jesus, we receive the invitation, Lord Jesus. We declare that you are so good. And thank you so much for coming and doing the will of the Father. Thank you that you healed. Thank you that you delivered. Thank you, Lord, you set free. You brought liberty. You brought provision. Oh, Lord, thank you. We worship you, Lord. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we take the keys that you offer to us. And in the name of Jesus, we bind every spirit of oppression, every spirit of deception, every spirit that lies to us about our purpose, our destiny, our health, our financial provision, our purpose, death. We bind you in the name of Jesus. We bind sickness. We bind disease. The spirit of infirmity. We bind you in Jesus' name. You do not exist in heaven. We call heaven to earth this day. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we bind lack. We bind shortage. We bind poverty. In the name of Jesus. We loose the blessing of heaven, the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of the Lord that makes us rich with no sorrow added to it. We bind the thief stealing, trying to steal our children, their purpose, their destiny, their well-being. We bind you in Jesus' name and we loose the fulfillment Every mother, every grandmother standing in this place, we decree 
our children and grandchildren will fulfill the purposes of God in their generation. And we bind every hindrance and interference to their destiny. We bind the spirit of addiction, marijuana, every drug that alters the mind. We bind you from our children, including opiate addiction, in the name of Jesus. We bind marital disharmony, the spirit behind divorce, in the name of Jesus. We loose the peace of God. We use the keys of the kingdom. We unlock joy and peace and prosperity and purpose. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Shalom, the peace that comes from being whole. We loose you. We thank you, Father, on earth as it is in heaven. And we decree that today is turnaround day. We bind and we overturn every plan of the enemy against our lives, our future, our destiny, our homes, in the name of Jesus. And according to your word and your will, never again will the wicked one afflict us or pass through our land. He is utterly cut off. Thank you, Jesus. You already triumphed over him openly. You already disarmed him of power. Forgive us, Lord, where we have been little weasels. Forgive us where we've laid down and bawled and squalled and complained and felt sorry for ourselves. You said, arise, take up your bed and walk. So we arise from depression, from discouragement, from confusion. In the name of Jesus, and we loose the clarity, the mind of Christ. I pray for everyone standing, Lord, for clear, vivid, technicolor, panoramic direction and clarity on our lives. And we praise you, Lord. And I thank you today, Lord, that today is the day where we receive and believe. And I ask you, even as my life changed on Saturday, when I found my keys, that today, every one of us, henceforth, will use the keys that you offered us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now I want you to say, I refuse refuse to be discouraged, discouraged, defeated, and depressed. I will rise up and believe I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I have all that Jesus said I have. I am his representative in this earth. And I will walk in power in dignity, I will hold my head up high because I believe. Oh, I believe what you say of me. I believe. Jennifer, where are you? Come here. 
I want you to sing that chorus, a cappella. Can you do it? Yeah? Or do you want me to sing? I believe what you saved me, oh, I believe, or whatever you want. Oh, I believe, yes, I believe what you say of me. I believe, I believe, oh, I believe what you say of me. I the only thing that matters now is everything you say of me. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, take it. In you I find my worth, in you I find my identity. you ladies I love you try to come next week we're gonna have some mighty healing miracles in Jesus name